After constantly being bombarded with emails, phone calls, and text messages on a daily basis asking, what would you do? Sometimes it's an, oh crap, I made a mistake, help me. And sometimes it's just a question about the latest technology and do we feel it's worth the investment? We want to help answer all of these questions. So welcome to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. We'll be interviewing experts in the industry to help answer the questions that you desire to know the answers to. And now, it's time for What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hello, and welcome to What Would Larry Do? I am Dr. Ann, and I am here with Larry Helwig this morning. Good morning. We're ready for some fun. It's Friday. It's Friday. Very excited. Mm -hmm. Weekend off. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's, it's time. We've been working hard. We, we need some downtime. We need the break. Yep. Yep. Well, today we're going to be talking about patient expectations. Which could take all day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yes. Um, it's, it's such a two-edged sword, you know, uh, expectations and where does it go and what do they expect and finding out what they really expect and um, getting through the nuts and bolts of it is... Uh, the challenge of asking all the questions, asking all the right questions so that you get the right answers and knowing what somebody really expects because a lot of times what they tell you up front and what they really are after might be two different things. So uh, very important to get that because what if you do a treatment, you do all this stuff, and at the end they're saying, well, this isn't what I was thinking was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it just means communication and making sure, you know, a lot of things. And we're going to cover a, num a number of those points. Yep. So, But, well, starting with, obviously, in meeting their expectations, it begins with the consultation. It certainly does. And I love consultations. <laughs> I live why, for them. That's why I'm dropping that one right in your lap, right? Because yeah. the consultation is the most important part. I mean, that's your first experience with the patient. But in reality, yeah. this is where you're setting them up to, you know, find out what their expectations are and can you actually meet them. That's right. So I think, I think a couple things come to mind. <clears throat> when the patient comes in, they don't always know what to expect. So first off, try to make them comfortable, you know. Um, there are things also that you're going to see that they're not talking about. And you need to be able to bring that up. So there's just, there's a whole lot to the consultation. And I think the better you get at the consultation, the better the outcome is going to be. And everybody's on the same page. And uh, the one thing I learned a long time ago is you cannot ask too many questions. Mm -hmm. you Absolutely. Know, you need the right questions, but you also need all the questions. Otherwise, you don't really know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I learned that from you. And one time you were, I don't remember if it was a consultation talk or something else, but you're like, sometimes just ask one more question. Like if you think you've already asked everything, just come up with one more and ask it because sometimes it opens up that can of worms where you're like, oh, I didn't know you thought this and that and those and these. Yep. Kind of leads you down that path. So if, if, you, if you can get the patient comfortable and you start going through, and, and most people come in with their number one complaint. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like this or I don't like that. 
And, you know, if you have a sheet in your health history that they mark some areas of interest or the areas that are bothering them, that can be helpful. It's a useful way to, to kind of go through things. But I think you have to, you have to take an approach to it that is what that patient is looking for. Do I understand it completely or am I missing her point, you know? And so that's why sometimes you can repeat uh, her answer to mm -hmm. her. Or and him. See, yeah, to him. And see if that's, is that it? Now, you said you're looking for this. Let me double check. You want to see this happen. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And go over that because if you're starting from the wrong place to begin with, you're not going to end up in the right place. Mm -hmm. You know, you really do have to have that down. And so at first it's a conversation and it goes back and forth and there's some questions and answers. And you really try to get from inside them mm -hmm. what it is that's causing the emotion. Yeah. Because something's causing some emotion, you know, and it, it does. It's nagging, it's bothering them. And it may be more than one thing, and they're talking to you about just one thing. Yeah. And so you need to get them to open up and yeah. discuss as much as you can. Well, and sometimes it's the other edge <clears throat> of the sword where they come in with um, pictures from social media or, you know, back in the day, it used to be pictures in magazines. Yep. And they would say, I want to look like this, or I like that look, or you know, so on and so forth. And sometimes it's unrealistic. You yeah. know, the, the number one challenge I find sometimes um, is I have patients coming in with before and afters of some unknown source. I always pick on Russia. Like sometimes it's these Instagrams from Russia and they're like, look at this before and after. And it says they had this procedure. And I'm like, that was a facelift for sure. <laughs> like I can tell you right now, that was a surgical procedure. I can't help you. I can give you a plastic surgeon's name who can achieve that mm -hmm. for their, you know, very expensive price. But here you are taking this Instagram of some unknown person that, yes, that photo's excellent, you know, but probably not realistic. And so then what I end up doing is either referring them to um, true before and afters or, um, you know, reputable injectors or other people I know and say, look at theirs here is realistic results. So sometimes I feel like we're talking them off the ledge of, uh, exactly. you're not going to achieve that with $2,000. Yep. You know, it, it's going to take you a lot more to get there because social media, unfortunately, sometimes I think sets them up for unrealistic expectations. That's true. And I think, you know, your conversation with them, leading them down that path gets you those answers. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is you do have to set the expectations that this is non-surgical. Mm -hmm. It's not one and done. Nothing that we do, for the most part, mm -hmm. is one and done. And um, it, uh, you, you have to also remember, like a surgical facelift, when you do something like that, that's not permanent either. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, the, sometimes they'll ask, well, how long does this last? Well, you know, how long does the face last? And it depends on the tissue that you're starting with. How healthy is it? What is the age of that tissue? Mm -hmm. And so I think if we you have the conversation and you also need to explore the rest. So they may be very unhappy about lip lines, okay? That might be the discussion. And you can talk to them about it. You can look at it. Um, but you also see other things on the face. 
And uh, I would say that at least 50 or 60% of the time, when I go through everything, that the number one thing they came in for is now number two or three on the list. Something else has replaced it. <laughs> and sometimes that's because of the things you say to them in the consultation. <clears throat> My favorite uh, consultation story of his is, I'm doing Agnes on this lady. I'm treating her eye bags and her lower face like buckle jowl area. And so she's telling me the story of how she came in. And, you know, she did have some significant under eye bags or the um, herniated fat pads that were underneath there. And so she was telling me, she's like, yeah, so I came in, I heard about your Agnes. I'm here for the, my under eyes. She goes, but Larry comes in and sits down in front of me in the consultation. And the first thing he says is, you must be here for those saggy jowls. <laughs> well, I couldn't help myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, granted, she was there on my table getting treated for both. But I was trying not to laugh because I was like, I cannot believe he said that to her. But, you know. I'm, I, I don't always say it the right way. <laughs> I'll admit that. But, but I, you know, I'm, I'm also brutally honest. It's like, you know, I'm looking at what's going to change, you know, the structure of the mm -hmm. face, the entire look. You look at her eye bags. I knew she wanted eye bags. <laughs> I, I knew it. I don't think she knew that her jowls and all of that could be corrected. Mm -hmm. and, and and I'm thinking, well, you know, and my, mentally I'm going through the exercise of if both are done, now that is a beautiful change. Yes. She is going to absolutely love it. And I didn't want her because... If you do the eye bags and you do a good job, which we do, you know, what's left on the face? And anything that's left, whether it is lip lines or it's pigment or it's jowls, mm -hmm. whatever, begins to look worse. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't leave anything behind. And I think the consultation should not be, oh, you came for this. Let's talk about just that. I think it needs to explore everything, and you need to cover it and go through it with the patient so the patient understands these are all the things that are involved in your face, and they don't all have to happen at once. But what if we do this, and then we follow with this? We give it a little bit of time, and then we do this. And you make a plan so that they know, because no matter what you leave behind, that's what they're staring at. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to know that. And I've, I've really gotten so that I just say that now to every patient. Because as you fix something, your eyes now change their focus to whatever else is there. Mm -hmm. And it'll drive you crazy after yeah. a while. You just, it's like, oh, you know, God, now I need to do that. Yeah. Well, rather than surprise you with that, let's just do it up front and say, this is what's going to happen to you, and let's make a plan for it. Mm -hmm. And if you change your mind and you don't want to do it, then you don't want to do it. Yeah. But at least we covered it so that there are no surprises. Yeah. Like the dentist. Yeah. You know, I always give the analogy to offices when you, if you go in to a dentist because you have pain in one of your teeth, they don't just do the x-rays and say, oh, yep, that tooth you were talking about, there's a cavity, let's fix it. They're like, so you need a root canal here, you need six fillings here, and you need a 
crown over here or whatever, you know, their list is, would you like to do them all today? Yeah. You know, or do you want to start with what's bothering you and then we can schedule out the rest? Yeah. And that's exactly how consults should be done is you came in for this. So I will address that and circle it as number one. But we're going to go through the full analysis of all the different things that are on there. And then we'll set a plan for how you can fix it. That's that's right. And, and the plan, um, you know, of course, everyone's in a hurry. I always say that people call for an appointment and they, you know, they're driving in for their appointment, but they'd like to have the results by the time they get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. of course, who doesn't? Instant you know? gratification society. That's right. But uh, if uh, you know the slow approach is is really good, you know it's it's like okay, a surgical facelift is a fast approach, <clears throat> but getting a non-surgical facelift will get you to the same place with brand new, young, healthy skin. Mm-hmm. You know they can stay and and withstand the test of time. It's just so much better. But you just do it over time so that it's not like this one big thing and done. And for people that fly in from out of state, whatever, yeah, we'll do the big thing for them. But, you know, our approach has really changed quite a bit over the years where, look, it took 50 years, 60 years, whatever, to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Let's not try to change it all right away. Let's just take it step by step. Let's fix, you know, get a little sequence and let's start working on it so that, you know, one year from now, you have accomplished what you wanted to accomplish and that yep. we get you to that point. And I think that's a much more realistic, it's much more practical uh, way to do it in which everything gets fixed, but it's also easier for your budget. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. to do a little bit at a time. And if it takes a year, or it takes two years, and that's what it takes. But now... At the end of the day, everything looks good, mm-hmm. and it looks like it all goes together, as yep. opposed to, you know, fixing half, you know, redecorating half your house or remodeling half your house, and the other half doesn't. Yep. Know? And that's that's what you will feel like if you don't do the whole thing. Well, and setting that patient expectation <clears throat> that it, it's a commitment to multiple things, because Larry's right. Number one, there's always maintenance. I don't care if it's your car, your house your body that you're doing for, you know, fitness and things like that, or your face and your skin, you have to maintain. So setting the expectation when they come in, we're going to do the full analysis. We're going to look at pigment. We're going to look at laxity. We're going to look at texture. We're going to look at volume loss. We're going to figure out what you need. We're going to start with, you know, the most crucial components that are going to make the biggest difference. But then we're going to, at least once that's fixed, and now you're seeing these other things, We've already set forth in the plan, like, this is what you need to do. So patients don't come back at you and say, you know, I came in to look better and now I only see this. You know, it's, I always go back to one of our deep resurfacing patients. It's one of my favorite stories because she's still our client to this day. We did a full field erbium resurfacing. I mean, aggressive. This is where we burn their face off. They look like a swollen burn victim for two weeks, but they look amazing afterwards. And she had a lot of lines and texture around her mouth. This was her number one complaint, which I did an excellent job. But at six months out, she shows up in our office and she says, I think you created this wrinkle right here with your resurfacing and I want some free filler for it to fill it in. I'm thinking, is she nuts? But no, she, she was serious. And so I took her before and afters right there, lined them up next to each other, zoomed in on where the wrinkle was. And I said, 
not only was it like 70% better, but the 20 wrinkles around it were completely gone. Yeah. But she had forgotten what she looked like, you know, and for whatever reason, if I had missed in the consultation that that was her one primary wrinkle, either way, I made it better. There was no way for me to get rid of it 100% without hypopigmenting her. So I had stopped at a certain depth. But then she was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I don't remember looking that bad. Yep. And so she actually paid for a photofacial and bought two syringes of filler. Yep. <laughs> That's it. You know, you were talking about doing it gradually, you yeah. know, so that you're seeing the changes along the way. But obviously with that, before and afters are going to be important too, because sometimes they forget. Yep. If it is gradual, sometimes they don't see those changes. So you really have to have good before and after pictures. Everyone forgets. Yeah. You know, that's normal. But the other thing, though, is we have a responsibility to patients. And that responsibility is to make sure we understand what their expectations are, mm -hmm. and whether or not we can meet them. Yes. So, you know, okay, so we ask all the questions and we know exactly what they're after. If, if we can't meet that, yeah. then we have a problem, right? Yep. So it's like, um, you know, how many tools do you have in your toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. You know, do you know how to use them all? If, yep. if you only have a hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail. Absolutely. That's not going to get the job done. So do you have the technology? Do you have the, yeah. the knowledge and experience in how to get them to that end point? Mm -hmm. Because when you find out what that end point is, and, and the other thing you have to really ask yourself is is that the true endpoint? So if you say, what are you looking to achieve? And they say, I, I, I just want a little improvement. You really have to question that. Yes. Because anytime I've given someone a little improvement, they've wanted more. Yes. And more, you yep. know. And, and so you have to be very, very careful with that. And I remember uh, a plastic surgeon, Dr. Salzman in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, yes. He was at our office, and he said, Larry, he said, if they tell you that they want five days of downtime and you do the treatment for five days of downtime, at day six, they're going to be very happy with you. But six to eight weeks out, they're not. Because mm -hmm. you should have done seven days of downtime. Mm -hmm. You know, had you given them two more days, they'd be unhappy with you for two days, but then the rest of their life, they'd be much happier. Yes. So we have to be careful, you know, and we have to understand that. So improvement can be different things to different people, but I've yet to find somebody who says that they just want a little improvement, and then you give them a little improvement, you show them the little improvement, and not want more. Yes. Yeah, that's the way it is. And so I think you need to question them. And what I do is I say, look, improvement is wonderful. But what have you, have you ever thought of amazing? <laughs> you know, would, would amazing be of interest to you? If getting compliments from people, would that be of interest to you? Would you prefer that over just a little improvement? Mm -hmm. Everyone says yes. I, I, you don't get no's for that. So again, continuing to ask the questions of really what it is, and if you could achieve this, in other words, becoming the best version of you. If you can achieve that, is there a reason why you would not want to achieve that? Yeah. Everyone wants to achieve that. So you need to know up front, that's really where they want to go. I mean, yeah. I, I, I haven't found otherwise yet. 
And so then, do you have the tools and the experience and knowledge, everything yeah. to get them there? Yeah. Well, back to your analogy of if you only have a hammer, everything right. looks like a nail. Sometimes when you are limited in what you have in your toolbox, you want to sell the patient whatever you have to fix that problem. But if it's not the right tool, you probably shouldn't do it. And that's why I always encourage practitioners that don't be afraid to refer if you don't have the right stuff. So for me, if I'm doing a consultation and I can feel out that the patient's expectations at 65 years old, where they've never done anything, is to have the perfect 100% facelift result, I'm going to send them, you know, and give them referrals to a couple plastics that we like in the area and say, I just think that you need to go have a consultation for a facelift. They may not be ready for it yet, so they may come back to me and end up doing what I recommend. I will still lay out a plan for them and say, here's what I can do for you, X, Y, and Z. However, I feel like you're expecting facelift results, which at your age with your level of skin laxity, I may not be able to achieve non-surgically. I want you to go have that consultation. I think that you need to have that consultation with the surgeon and the two of you can decide together, number one, are you healthy enough for a facelift? Number two, do you want the downtime of facelift? And number three, are you okay with, you know, risks, side effects, benefits, and then you'll get the outcome and let the patient make that decision. Because if you try to fix a problem that you don't have the right tool for, that's when people end up looking weird. And I feel like the number one time I see that is when practitioners are trying to treat laxity by using filler and they're blowing up the face full of volume. And we've all seen it in Hollywood when they get the big fat faces because they're trying to treat the lower laxity by just overfilling the face. Now, volume loss is extremely important to be replaced when there is true volume loss. So in the cheeks, the temples, the you know preauricular area, the jawline, the chin, if your patient's really missing volume, absolutely start with filler. It's my favorite thing to start with is building the structure. But if it's a laxity or a texture, filler's not actually the right tool for that. That's right. In which case they need something else. And if you don't have that tool, you should find somebody to work with to refer back and forth. We send a plastics for facelifts. Sometimes we have plastics send us for doing thread lifts when their patient's not quite ready for surgery. They don't do it in their office, but they trust us not to take them for other things. And then we'll refer back and forth. And so we've developed that relationship with a lot of people. But the key is don't be afraid to tell patients, number one, I don't quite have the right thing for you. Or number two, I'm not comfortable doing it. And that's another filler zone that I always talk about. The, the liquid nose lifts are very popular out there on social media. And I know some amazing plastic surgeons that do an excellent job, but they're, they do nose jobs all the time, right? So when they're in there doing the rhinoplasty, they are very comfortable with the vessels and the structure and everything. Because if inexperienced injectors don't realize this now, injecting a nose is a high risk for blindness or necrosis with filler. If you do not know your anatomy well, you can get into a problem. I think there's some plastic surgeons that do an excellent job. I choose not to do it because if I occlude an artery there, I can't immediately take them into surgery and fix stuff and move things around like the way a surgeon can. So I choose not to do it. And if I have a patient who really wants it fixed, I send them to one of the plastics that we know. That's right. So you've got, you should have access to the plastics in your community mm -hmm. that you know and you like. Uh, have a relationship with them, and uh, they can be very helpful. Yeah. And, you know, you can get a nice back-and-forth relationship. One of the other things with it is um, how many treatments you're going to need to do. Yeah. 
So if you or can your equipment get the desi- you yeah, know desired yeah. result they're looking for? Do you have the right technology? And assuming you do, mm-hmm. are you quoting the right number of treatments? Yes. You know, I I think we we tend to underquote. Yeah. If you undersell, you underachieve, and I think people do that because they have a hard time asking for the money. Yes. And I get it. You know, it, it becomes expensive. Yep. But. If you tell somebody that, you know, this is what they want to achieve and you can get there in two treatments or four treatments or whatever, and then you don't do it, that person's going to be upset. Yes. Yep. You know, so just understand, you know, it. it um, I, I think that we generally undersell. Yes. I think we do. I think it's, it's easy, you know, uh, well... You know, I'm I'm going to take a couple treatments off or a few treatments off, make it more affordable. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a way to do that and just say we're going to start with this, yes, and then reevaluate because and, you may need this. Because in all likelihood, I think you're going to need more, but we we need a starting point. Yes, and let's see how your skin reacts. I tend to go and say, okay, you know, if I think you need four or five, I might say six, seven, eight, and then tell you that as we're going and you're seeing what you want to see, we're done. Yes. It's okay. But do I think I can achieve that in four? No, I don't. I think it's going to be more. And I think the process is a slower, more gradual process but I also think it has a lot of longevity at the end. So I, I believe it's worthwhile. But I think that generally in our industry, um, because so many people come in and they're actually frustrated. I was told I was going to get this, and I didn't get it. Well, you know, it, we, we get a lot of that. And I think that, that too many offices are just doing kind of the bare minimum um, to get some improvement, not knowing that the patient really probably would like more than that. And so we have to be careful. And again, it does start with that consult. You have to really do a good consultation from top to bottom, go over and assess everything, you know, (laughs) and look at that tissue, you know, and how much laxity is there, and look at does the eyebrows come up, can you lift it, and you can take the eyelids and pull on them. You know, do they do they stay there or do they snap right back? So you you need to go through the process with them. That's your physical assessment, and you can also have we have Vizian, we have a lot of different photography and body shaping um, or body three um, D body uh, systems, but they, <laughs> whatever they are, I think this must in- this must be Friday. <laughs> Oh my God, you were stuck on that word. I was like, is that the broken record that's just going to come? The Staiku 3D body imaging. So, (laughs) you know, we'll use technology when we need to, to Mm -hmm. show other things. Yeah. And I think that's only fair to the patient that they see, yes, you have this, and this is your actual skin age compared to the rest of the people your age, you know. So I, I think doing that comparison and doing that and getting a real look-see is important to help them have a better understanding. A look-see? <laughs> a look-see. Oh, man. 
What other <laughs> what other language am I going to come? I'm, I'm going to start speaking Latin or something pretty soon. I don't know. Oh my gosh, that cracks me up. But you know, you're right though. You know, with patients that that under promising and overselling is the opposite of what we want to do. We want to um, under promise and over deliver. So what I always, you know, will tell patients or, you know, at, at practitioners, if I'm training them is really setting that expectation of they may need more than what we um, are going to start with. Here's where we're at. And I hate to tell it to patients sometimes because I'm like, look, it is expensive. You know, I was having a conversation with a lady yesterday who had some stretch marks that she wanted treated and the size of the area I was recommending RF microneedling. And I told her, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be at least six. It may be more. And for the size of the area, it's going to be nine ninety five per treatment. And she said, so in order to treat these stretch marks, but they won't be a hundred percent gone, it's going to be about $6,000. And I said to start, yes. And then you still may need some photofacial afterwards and, or, you know, an injectable, like a PLLA or a, hyperdilute radius or something like that. But I said, you know, it's unfortunately stretch marks are an atrophic scar and, and its scars are harder. And so I at least set her expectation and she was appreciative for it. She was unsure if she wanted to proceed that route. She was going to research more, but I told her, I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to take a lot of work because she had pretty bad stretch marks. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or promise you something I can't give you. Yeah. And you know what? She, she actually was... Not so much sticker shock. She did think that that was a lot of money, but she appreciated the honesty of it, of what I was telling her. And that's the thing. I would rather tell her, I'm going to start with six of these, which it could take eight, it could take 10 is what I told her. I said, but we would start with six. We will take photos along the way. We'll reevaluate the improvement and then we can go from there. Right. You know, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, some people, uh, tissue changes really well. Yes. You know, so... Uh, maybe it turns out to be less, or maybe she would love to have them all gone, but you get about 70% of the way there, and they become more challenging to really notice. Mm -hmm. Maybe they become okay with that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's up to the patient. We like to get it so that it is flawless. Yes. Um, it's, it's just more, yeah. you know? So. Uh, but that it comes back to the patient. What is the expectation from the patient that I'm not going to see anything? My skin is going to be flawless. Mm -hmm. Or is the expectation that it's the problem is going to be reduced? Mm -hmm. It's going to look better. It's not going to be a hundred percent, but that it it's not so obvious. Yes. You know? So the two different stories there, and that's what has to happen. Yep. No, I agree. But, but when we're doing a bad job, it's coming back and haunting all of us. Yes. So if our consults aren't right, the treatment won't be right. If we're using the wrong technology, the treatment won't be right. If we're using the wrong number of treatments, the treatment won't be right. So there's just a lot of little places where we can have a problem and cause, uh, you know, cause issues for us yes. and the patient. And so I think starting up front and being very honest, just like you were with her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are other um, treatments that we have for stretch marks. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe after a couple, we switch over and start doing fractionated laser. Yep. Maybe we do this. And so there are options where it is more aggressive. There is more downtime and swelling and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the, a few less treatments, you know. So you, you can look at things as you go. But I yeah. think you have to be very honest with them. 
under this program, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's where you develop that excellent, excellent relationship with your patients of, you know, you do the analysis and say, these are things that's wrong. You can let them know these is the tools that I have in my toolbox. This is what I can do to fix it. However, if they're looking for something that's a little bit more than what I can give, then I'll say, here's the referral to this person. And, you know, um, tummy tucks are one of those things you kind of brought up, but that's one of my favorite ones to kind of look at and reevaluate with patients that if there's a lot of volume on their stomach and a lot of laxity, a lot of times I send them to get a referral to a plastic surgeon for the liposuction and tummy tuck. Because at this point, the amount of money that they're going to invest with us to get them there may cost them more than the surgery. However, the surgery has the risks, the scars, and the downtime. So I'll still give them our quote, let them go investigate the surgery, and then they can decide, do they want the scars and downtime or do they want the, you know, 100% tummy tuck done all at once? Yeah. And and let them decide. You know, that's, that's why you're giving it to the patient back and saying, here's the information. You need to make the educated decision. My job is to educate you. I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to educate you. That's right. And I fe- when you when you take the sales thing because um, in all these trainings that we do, we do talk about selling. You know, some mm-hmm. people are natural born salespeople and all this and that, but you sell through education. Mm-hmm. You know what? How can I help you better understand what's going on? And what options there are yes. to to solve that, and that that's it's really education, and you know it, it kind of comes down to how emotional someone is about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how bad do you want the change, right? So, we we know that um, someone who really wants it badly is more likely to get what they want because mm-hmm. they want it badly, no matter what it is. It's, it's proportional. How bad you want it, your likelihood of getting it is increased. So that, that's just the way it is. And so some people are going to want certain things really bad. Other things, uh, yeah, maybe those go down the road. So that's let's do this first, and mm-hmm. then we can go to that later. And that's common. But if we're not doing it right, starting with the consult, the outcome's not going to be right mm-hmm. either. So just... Be careful about that. If you go in for a consult and it's a 20-minute consult and you're trying to cover everything on a face or body or whatever, that's not a very good consult. I don't know how you learn much in 20 minutes when when there's so many things involved. So we tend to spend about an hour to an hour and a half, and people are knocking on the door all the time like my hour and a half is over. <laughs> I'm still talking. Because uh, so, the hour and a half is over. It's been over. (laughs) It takes longer than an hour and a half. But, you know, I I want them to really understand what their skin is doing, Mm -hmm. how collagen works, uh, what we do to enhance that, you know, how how much skin contraction can you get while growing collagen and elastin at the same time. There's just so many things going on, and I think a well-educated patient really helps in the whole process because mm-hmm. then they know and they know what to expect and they can look at the step-by-step and having your sequence right is the other part. You know, don't jump from doing this all the way to this when there's three or four other things that should be done in between. So depending on how much, again, how much technology do you have? So we we like to think that, you know, if, if we're doing... 
uh, saggy upper arm. Okay, that's that's the concern, the tricep area. Well, you know, you could use M-Sculpt Neo to try to build some muscle in that area, and you get a little bicep muscle, a little more tricep muscle, that would help. There's a number of devices we can use for skin tightening in that area. Can you do thread lifts in that area? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can you inject uh, a filler-type product yeah. like Hyperdilute yeah, hyper radius. radius, you see? And so when you lay that out, what are you going to do first? What are you going to do second? Are there some things you can do at the same time? Mm -hmm. So when you lay that out for the patient, then they understand that there is a real plan for their upper arms that should give them a really nice outcome. Yeah. And that's that's really where it's at. You, I don't think you can just jump from one thing to the to yeah. the last thing and, and get the same outcome. Yeah. So, Well, and then the other side of patients' expectations are, what if you do a treatment and they are unhappy? You know, what do you mm. do about it then? And Because that will happen sometimes. And, you know, the number one thing that Larry and I always talk about is, um, <clears throat> is listen to the patient, right? So hear them out. Hear what their concerns are. And, you know, just really take the time to figure out why are they unhappy. You can't please everyone, but if something comes in and it's an easy fix, take care of them, you know? That's the number one way to continue developing positive relationships. And maybe it really did start out with, we weren't on the same page in the consultation and I fixed this when you actually meant that. And if that happens, then figure out a way to go back and get it. You know, it, it's, it's always hard to you know, please everybody. It's not a perfect world. You're not going to be always able to please everybody, but the more thorough you are in the consultation and then sticking to your guns, as I like to say, and I always use my neuromodulators or Botox and things like that as an example. If I have somebody that comes in and wants to get rid of their frown lines and I tell them it's going to take 25 units and then they'll tell me I only want to pay for 10 or I used to go to this other injector and it only took 10 I'm going to tell them I'm uncomfortable doing that because I can tell by the strength of your muscle, you're probably going to need this many. And if I only inject 10 units, the muscles are still going to keep moving. You're still going to have that line and you're going to come back to me in two weeks and say that my product didn't work and you're going to want your money back. So I, I don't want to do that. And so you sometimes as a practitioner, you know, if you feel like the patient's trying to talk you into doing less and you know, they're going to be unsatisfied, definitely stand your ground and just say, look, if we don't do the desired amount, and it doesn't have to be out of control either, you're probably not gonna get that result. If we proceed forward, you're gonna be unhappy. Maybe don't choose to do the treatment. You know, I've, I had that happen with a thread lift. I quoted a lady a price, and you know, it was gonna be four barbs that she needed per side. She scheduled out for two weeks. Two days before her pay, uh, appointment, she called my front office and said, I would only like to do two per side. You know, is the doctor okay with that? And I said, no. I said, the result that you and I discussed in the consultation about what you would get out of it was for four threads per side, barbed threads, yep. that is. I'm not going to do two because I've already set in your mind this expectation that you're going to get this result. And if I let you do it for half price, what happens in two weeks? They're like, your threads don't work. That I was a waste of my money. I want my money back. So I actually turned her away, you know, and I was like, somebody else can have her. I'm not going to negotiate with you at this point. If I've set the expectation that you're going to get this result and then you try to only do it halfway, 
the patient's unhappy. It's not going to work. No. Now, there is software to help with that. We have 3D photography. Mm -hmm. And you say, I want two syringes of filler, and we know you yeah. need three or four. We put in two, yep. and you can literally see it on yeah. the screen what that's going to do. Now, are you happy? Uh, no. All right. We put in another syringe. Are you yeah. happy? I'm getting there. You put in another syringe. Okay, now I'm happy. Yeah. Isn't that the number I gave you? Four? Yes. Yep. So, you you know, it, it is like that. And, and of course, patients want the best deal that they can get financially. Yes. We all do. We all do. That's that We understand that. But they didn't come in just for the deal. They came in to get an outcome, a yes. certain result. Yes. So if we keep in mind, why is that patient here? Mm -hmm. They want this look. They want to get that. Mm -hmm. Don't shortchange it. Yeah. You're, it will never turn out well for anybody. So, you yep. know, be careful. Yeah, just be honest with them. This is what it's going to take to get there. And if they're not ready to commit to that, then just don't proceed. And if you do proceed with something and they're unhappy, I would reevaluate yourself as well as the patient and say, okay, what can I do to fix this situation? Right. You know, sometimes it's an easy fix, sometimes it's not. But, you know, we've all gotten into situations where, Maybe we felt like we didn't deliver the result that we probably should have, and then we can do other things to try to fix that. You know, so it happened to me a long time ago, and I've, I I learned my lesson. And uh, we were doing um, a, a woman's thighs, and there was a lot of laxity, and I thought that you know, in six treatments, I could make a very nice difference for mm -hmm. her, and I I probably got halfway. You know, it wasn't what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a big lesson by doing some treatments for free. Yeah. You know, working hard to get her that outcome. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I had understated what it, what it really was going to take. And sometimes you don't know. Yes. But I'd rather say, you know, eight or ten treatments and have too many where they're at six and they're saying, yeah. I'm happy. You're better than you think you are, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Because if you say six and you're nowhere near it, you know, you've, you've lost all credibility. Yeah. So be careful when you're doing that, you know, take your time with it. Let them know it is going to be expensive. You do have to do a lot of treatments. It's going to be very involved. Mm -hmm. But... The goal is to accomplish this. Yes. And we have a we have a woman right now that <clears throat> we know very well with really bad legs. Yes. And she lost a lot of weight, and we like her, and we're trying to figure out some kind of combination therapy that could get her good legs yeah. again, you know. Yeah. And so you just you have to work it, and you have to think. Okay, what if we did so much of this and so much of this, and we did some of these? Mm -hmm. Are there some things in here that we can discount? Are there some things we can put together? And you do look at it for the overall package, so that she can get what she wants. Yes. And, and we try to do that, and I think all of you do. But just don't don't understate what needs to be done because yeah. you never nobody comes out happy after that. Yeah. So. so I think with your patient expectations, it comes down to, number one, your consultation, listening to them up front, um, and helping them identify what the problem is. Number two, do you have the equipment to fix the problem? And number three, how much of that problem can your equipment actually fix? And just setting all those expectations to begin with properly 
really helps you to avoid some of the speed bumps of patients being unhappy. And again, you can't please everybody. And if you're identifying in that consultation that this patient's never going to be happy, Larry always says, you know, if uh, you have patients in your practice that you don't want, then that means the interview didn't go well in the consultation. So don't be afraid to turn people away either. And just let them know, I don't think that I can give you the results that you are looking for. Yep. You know, be careful with that because that that has gotten a lot of people into trouble. Mm -hmm. So good. You you need to know you can do it. If you say you can do it, you need to know you can do it. Yes. And if you're saying it's four treatments, mm, yeah. You know, good luck with that. Remember, it's not going to change as, as quickly or as easy if the patient is 60 than if they're 50. Yeah, or 40. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just you know when they're 60, 65, and they want all this to happen, it's quite a process that has to take place. So. Yep. Don't don't understate it. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our uh, episode for today, unless you have yep. any last words of advice. Um, I think that when the pain of not doing something becomes greater than the pain of doing something, then you'll do it. <laughs> I agree. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. All right. The desire. Yeah. Perfect. All right. right. Well, thank you guys all for joining us and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to What Would Larry Do? Featuring Dr. Ann. Hear it live each week here or anytime 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com.